Bible prophesied of a unique time on earth, Israel would be returned to her land, the church would turn to false doctrines, technology would increase, and wickedness and immorality would run rampant. The time spoken of so long ago has come. Join Charlie Garrett as he breaks down these events for us as they unfold each week. I'm going to turn over the, uh, the uh, church to Usama Dakdok. He's here to speak to us about uh, certain things that are on his heart. That this is his ministry, and I hope all of you will enjoy it. And I know you don't want this, so I'll pull that out. I need uh, something for allergy, but that's okay. It's not uh, serious. Uh, believe it or not, when uh, last, last time I had this allergy problem, I was in Missouri, and the doctor told me, next time when you're in Missouri, it's a, the, the worst state to have allergies there. You need to take this, um, all this medicine, whatever this they take every day, two, three months before the season. And I, but he didn't tell me when the season starts. So I said, okay, doctor, I'll do that. And guess what? The season starts and I have not taken any. So I'll be coughing once in a while, but this is going to be okay. Well, good morning to everybody. It's, it's my joy to be here with you today. And I'm thankful for the next four hours as we'll be spending together. <laughs> Two, whatever you're going to give me. Just stop me at the I, I, I love this uh, Psalm 44. It talk about, as we just uh, heard uh, the brother read for us, talk about the victory in the past and the defeat of today. The victory of the past was not because the Jewish people were strong and they were uh, by the edge of their sword and the, by the past. And you can actually see this in reality as you look through the scripture. None of the battles he won, he should won. It's a joke. Think about Gideon. And he had the thousands. And God said, no, too many. And he kept cutting them short, short. And then he, they, they fought the battle and they won 300. And each one of them have two swords. No, no swords. It's a joke. But it's a mystery because it was a victory was given to them by the hands of God. Even when they crossed my home country, Egypt, when they crossed the Red Sea, and all the mighty, powerful uh, army of Pharaoh and Pharaoh himself drowned. I mean, how much takes, how much effort they put into uh, delivers himself out of Egypt? Nothing. He just walked. They walked on water. Literally, if you think about it, here's the Red Sea is open and they walk through the water and the Pharaoh with all his strings follow them. Okay, what happened? They drowned. So they have victory. All the victories from the days they got out of Egypt until David's days, it was because God gave them the victory. And I believe that fit perfectly with what we'll be talking about today. Lies in the textbooks. And I had, in this presentation, 15 lies. I will be glad to cover the first three today, if you will give me the time. And these are concerning Israel. Uh, Israel of the past, and Israel of Moses' days, and Israel of even today. These are the three lies which I would love to cover. And I hope and I pray that you will like what we're doing here, that maybe next time I come to Florida, we can do three more lies, or maybe four, whatever. Depend how much time you will allow me to share with you. Um, how many of you have this first time to see me or hear about me? Okay, we got new people. It's the Street Wave Greece Ministry is the traveling ministry. That's what I do for the last uh, 17, 18 years to teach the truth about Islam. And the name of our ministry, as you see on the uh, screen here, comes from two uh, verses. The first verse from the Quran, a book the American people have not read yet. I don't know why we are waiting. Remember, the scripture said, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. It's simple as read my book. And we'll have a special discount today for this book. If you do not have a copy, it will only cost you five cents. You can have a copy for five cents. 
as the cheapest you can buy a book. I have to sign it for 1995. <laughs> But in that book, Quran chapter 1, verse 5, we read, guide us to the straight way. Guide us to the straight way. And by the way, when you hear the rest of this prayer, you feel like these Muslim people are wonderful people. Look at their prayer. Guide us to the straight way, the, the straight way of grace. Wow, grace. They talk about grace. Not the way of those whom your wrath is against, nor the lost one. Amen. And when Muslims pray that prayer today as they pray it, literally, in every liberal church they are invited, and we got plenty of liberal churches invite Muslim people to speak, and I have a hard time to find a conservative church to have me in. And they speak the, this prayer in our city hall meetings, school board meetings, uh, uh, Congress meetings, Senate meetings, and all the wonderful Christians and Jews who attend these meetings, when they hear the Muslim Imam say amen in the end of his prayer, they all say amen, respectful for the Muslim, not realizing or not knowing what in the world that Imam just have said. Guide us to the straight way, the way of those whom you have graced, the Muslims, not the way of those whom you wrath against the Jews, nor the lost ones, the Christians. And the Jews and the Christians says amen. What an evil days. So that is the first verse. The second verse is the words of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, in John 14, 6, when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And Muslim people will never hear the truth about Islam and will never know the truth of who Jesus Christ is, the way, the truth, and the life, unless we as a Christian take that message to them. And Christ commanded us in the Great Commission to go to the end of the world to do that. And he made it even much easier. You don't have to go to Saudi Arabia to be killed by some Wahhabi or some Muslim in Saudi Arabia. He brought the Saudi here in America. who have freedom to share with him and talk with him. And nobody have died yet in America from sharing the gospel with a Muslim neighbor or a Muslim friend. But we as a church choose to live the sin of silence. We are not going to speak because we do not know or we don't care. Not just about the Muslim destiny, their eternity. We don't care about the great command which given to us by our Lord and our Savior. That is the straight way of grace. This is a quick video. It's actually a small piece of a longer one to introduce our study for today. Three years ago, a meeting of 24 Islamic organizations was held in Chicago. The transcripts of that meeting showed in detail their plans to evangelize America through journalism, politics, education, and more. Their, Their plans, plans to evangelize America through journalism, politics, education, and more. They said, we must prepare ourselves for the reality that in 30 years, there will be 15 million Muslims living in America. Some studies show that at Islam's current rate of growth, in five to seven years, it will be the dominant religion of the world. Their goal is to evangelize. No, it's a wrong word. Obviously, the gentleman who did this commercial does not know what Islam is. There's no good news in Islam. It is Muslimize, a word I made up myself. Muslimize. Muslimize America and Muslimize the world. That is their plan. How is they going to accomplish that? Three different points, and more actually, but the three which I know of, which I maybe I can add three, four more to it, are the um, journalism, mm -hmm. the media. Have you noticed that the last 20 years in America, we will never read a verse in the Quran? 
I tried hard in Venice Gandalier, which is not far away from here, to write an article which is nothing but the words of Allah and the Quran, the verses of the Quran, which I want the American people so badly to read. That's why I spent four years of my life doing nothing but translating the Quran accurately to the English translation, which is available. Last time I was here, it was available. And I think we saw two copies last time I spoke here. I carry these books with me everywhere I go. The only true accurate English translation. If the American people can read that, they can save their country. If you think about getting a gift to somebody important who maybe have some influence on the community or his family, give them a copy of the Quran. I know it's 20 bucks, too much money. No, it's not. We just celebrate Memorial Day where life has been, uh, has been given, blood has been shed for us. What is a $20 comparing to your grandparents or your uncles, great uncles who died for you and I to enjoy this country? What we're missing is the knowledge in that book. So, I wrote to Vanas Gandalier 40 verses from that book to explain that the articles he wrote the previous two weeks were a lie. Where a Muslim from Sarasota Mosque wrote that there is not one verse in the Quran teach hate. The second, verse, the second article, there's not one verse in the Quran teach killing. Go online and search for these articles. You'll find them. So I said, how in the world? Venice Gandali would wrote that. So I responded, here's the verses of the Quran. And it's been 18 years and they have not. But these actually 17 years or so, they have not published my 40. First they told me, it's too many. It's only limited to 600 words, sir. I said, I'm sorry. So I cut them to eight verses. And I still, I'm still waiting. 17 years ago. So journalism in America, the media in America has been bought or actually given as a free gift to the Muslims. To do what? To Muslimize America. You will never read a verse in a newspaper in America. You will never uh, hear a, a, a TV show, even Fox News, who are right, right now hiring more Muslims to work there. We got more reporters who are Trump haters speaking on Fox News just yesterday. Ms. Hussein. It's telling us that Trump is hiding so much and he is evil. Literally, her word is, we should impeach him or kill him. That's what she's trying to say. Get rid of him. And she's on Fox News. So the media in America, journalism, TVs, radios, internet, are controlled by the liberals, controlled by the Muslims to give America a sweet taste of Islam to Muslimize America. And not one verse you'll ever hear, not even on Fox News. Have you heard Fox News teach any of the things which we read from that book? I have not heard one verse yet. It's only been 17 years since September 11. Second thing is, uh, journalism, second one was politics. Where is a politician in the world who stand up to speak against Islam? You want to destroy a man or a woman who run for office? Makes him quote one verse from the Quran. That's how he destroys him. If Mr. Trump will read five verses or four verses from that book tomorrow morning, and then he see, here's what Allah said in the Quran, and quote four verses, I promise you, he will be impeached by the Republican. Not by the Democrat. He will be removed from office in no time. I mean, if he, if he can get away with murder, he cannot get away with reading few verses from that book. Why? Because the politics has been bought or being literally given this country and our freedom to the Muslims. And the last one, which is more important, which is our topic, is education. What are we learning in our textbooks in our public schools today? 
They know that you will be shocked as we're going to so, go through these first three lives. By the way, these are the easiest three lives. It's the longest one. It's more history. It's more educational. But it's the easiest. The more we go in it, when you hear about lies about the Bible, or lies about the Quran, lies about Jesus, or lies about Muhammad, lies about the history of Islam, lies, lies about uh, 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 the uh, Crusades, lies, lies about slavery, it will blow your mind. I'm talking about 15 lies. And these lies are taught all over our public schools since September 11. See, September 11 happened. Mr. Bush praised Allah, praised Muhammad, praised Islam, and praised the Saudi, calls them our friends. And then they said, well, Mr. Bush, if you really like us that much, can we teach your children the truth about Islam? Because now we have a problem. The American people are going to grow up to believe that Islam is September 11. So what do you want, my dear Muslim friends? Mr. Bush said, said give us your children. Let us educate your children. Let's brainwash your children to make them to believe in Islam, to be what we want them to believe about Islam. And boy, oh boy, they got the textbooks. All the textbooks in America. This is my beloved wife, Vicky, our son, Caleb. Continue to pray for Caleb. I'm going to be meeting with him tomorrow, not face to face. He's here in jail in Sarasota uh, doing some uh, drugs or stuff. He's, he's smoking uh, wild mushroom. And he was arrested for that and other issues with his life. And uh, the last three weeks, we have not communicated with him. He used to call us and pray with us. But he's, I think he's in a situation now. Well, we're going to have two different roads to go. So you and mom go your way. And I'm going to go my way. And thank you for everything. So, but praise that tomorrow, 4 o'clock, I believe, or sometime tomorrow, I'm going to be meet with him. And uh, I hope that uh, I have a successful talk with him. 45 minutes. It is, uh, as I was talking to my pastor yesterday, I said, I can talk to the rocks. I can talk to anybody, stranger or not. I have no problem. But I really don't want to talk to Caleb tomorrow because if God will not speak through me, it's going to be a short, short meeting. If I lose my temper and start speaking with my heart and I tell him, here's what you have done, son, and here's your future, he most likely is going to move away from his camera and that'll be it. So praise that God will give me the right word to share with him and praise that he will have grace to listen to my heart as I will speak on the behalf of his mom and myself for tomorrow meeting. Um, and uh, I'm thankful to uh, the Lord for my wife. Uh, she stood up with me in the last uh, 26 years. We've been married now for actually 27 years coming up. Uh, so, uh, and uh, she could not come here to be with us today. Uh, she had to take care of, first of all, her mom. And second of all, my brother-in-law, who is right now in the emergency room. He had knee replacement two weeks ago, and there's some complication with him. So keep mithat, mithat in your prayer as well. All right. Uh, I, I don't know how many of you listen to our uh, daily radio program on VCY. Anybody listen here at all? VCY every day, 1230. I've been doing this now for almost six years. And we have hundreds of radio broadcasts uh, with them. As a matter of fact, that study, Lies in Textbooks, is what we are playing right now on that channel. There are a total of 63 radio broadcasts, are 20 minutes, so roughly 20 hours. 20 hours study, and you can go download them from our website and the uh, archive. It's MB3, easy. You can download a bunch of them, listen to them at your convenience while you're traveling or just on your iPhone or whatever. And also we have the Saturday night program. That's a, a live program I did last night. And it was a wonderful show last night. It's available also on archive for, I believe, five or six weeks. You can find this information on our website. So you go to our website and double click and you'll be with us Saturday night or uh, 12.30 every day on VCY. Uh, I don't know what we have in the screen. Anything important? For the last? No, forget about this. It's a commercial about my books. And I got some books here today. If you're interested, 
there on the back of the church and I can show you. By the way, if you don't have the money to uh, give towards the Quran or my other book or DVDs, you're welcome to take all what you want and send uh, the check later to the ministry at your convenience as long as sometime within the next couple years. <laughs> so you don't forget about it. Here is the uh, cover for our presentation as we always do in our seminars. We always have a, uh, a picture to speak about the seminar. And the uh, American taught me that uh, pictures speak for a thousand words, but believe me, that picture speak for 10,000 words. I saved you literally right now 10,000 words by looking at this picture. What is that? Why is that? Because it's not just some uh, drawing we put. It's actually actual books, actual books which are taught all over our school, including Sarasota County. These books are in the hands of your children and your grandchildren and your neighbor children to brainwash them with many lies. 40 books to be exactly. The one I know of. There may be new books coming up. And what's so amazing when people complain about these books about after maybe attend one of my meetings and they go to the school board and try to talk to the school board about removing that textbook from our public school, the school board laugh at them and mocks them and they continue to teach the same books. Why? Because there's hardly anybody in this country have a clue what I'm talking about concerning lies in the textbooks. Even though I've been talking about that for at least now four or five years. That presentation is five years old. And for, the, for you, it will be a brand new information today. These are actual books are taught in our books. So I'm not easy. These are famous publishers, famous writers. Actually, we are paying the money to make sure that our children being uh, literally brainwashed with whatever propagandas they have in these books. Lies and textbooks is a very powerful presentation, and I hope that we'll be able to continue to uh, study these lies as the future comes. If you tell a lie big enough and keep repeating it, people will eventually come to believe it. The truth is the mortal enemy <clears throat> of the lie. So here's the catch. Tell a lie big enough, and keep repeating it. Most likely, American people will believe it. Why? Because that's how it worked for years. It's a history. That's how it worked in the past. That's how it's working today. That's most likely how America will be destroyed in the near future. We're telling a lie big enough and keep repeating it. You know how to kill a rat? You don't kill a rat by giving them a poison. No, he gives them good food. Corn, wheat, whatever you're going to give them. 99.4, I believe, in the, if you look at the boxes of the poison for the food, for the rat, 99.4 is good food. Only 0.6 poison. And the rat will eat it and the rat will die. If you give the rat a nice piece of poison, he will never even smell it. He will never get close to it. How are we destroying America we are destroying America right now with the hands of the Muslims by little bit lies. And believe me, as it was in evolution, it will be with Islam. It's always start small and get bigger and bigger. Remember when they talk about evolution 35, 40 years ago? What they were teaching our children? What they were teaching you, actually? They were teaching you big dinosaur, huge picture. And under the, the, the picture, Brother Charles, it is written, dinosaur lived uh, 300,000 years ago, as some claim, or as the theory of evolution. It's, it's, it's always just things up in the air, and not one church in America bothered to say, that's not right. This is false teaching. There is a God, there is a creation, there is a creator. It was six days, it was 6,000 years ago, not 60 or 600,000 years ago. Not one church bothered because it was not taught as fact. It was not taught as science. It was just a theory. Come on, Brother Charlie. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, you come to this and you make a big deal. It's just a theory. Nobody believed it. Darwin did not believe it. Darwin said, somebody have to prove it. Otherwise, it's a dumb theory. Then Brother Charlie became quiet. He didn't want to make a big deal about it. After all, it's just a theory. And slowly, this big picture of dinosaur got smaller, smaller, smaller. The one sentence under the page got few sentences, few pages, books. And now we're teaching evolution in our public schools all over America, not as theory, not as uh, 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 some ideas of somebody to be, no, we are teaching it as science. What is the evidence they have for it? Uh, none. As a matter of fact, with the DNA and every science, everything we discovered today, we've proven that this is not just a theory. It's a stupid, dumb theory. It cannot be. But what your children are learning today in our Bible schools, things which we have discovered and we prove it 100% without any doubt, it's a fraud. You cannot make a man or a woman out of the pig tooth. But they still teach the same thing about Lucy and this and that, and it's getting bigger and bigger in our textbooks, and it's a fact. And if you speak against it, it's just because you are fundamental. You're, you're, you're wild. Are you a Christian? You really believe in the Bible? Who believes in the Bible these days? After all, 95% of the ministers, 95% of the ministers of Europe today do not believe in the Bible. Right. Not, forget about the people of Europe. The church leaders do not believe in the Bible to be the right word of God. And if you ask them specifically, what do you don't believe in the Bible? Oh, the six-day creation. Or the virgin birth. God help us. Let's move on. Let's move on. I'm going to show you saying three very uh, facts about Islam and lies. Islam and lies. You have to understand that lies in Islam is the foundation of that savage cult. If you take lies out of Islam, there's nothing staying in Islam. Islam teaches it is lawful to deny your faith. When Muslims come to America, they can easily come to you and tell you, I don't believe in Muhammad. I don't believe in Allah. I don't believe in the Quran. I'm just a... Uh, a, a, a mother guy, Muslim by name, from a Muslim background, I don't have anything to do with Islam. Whoever becomes an infidel in Allah after he believed, except one who was compelled and his heart is secure in faith, but whoever opens his chest to the infidelity, the wrath of Allah will be on them, and they will have great torment. If you are compelled, if you live in America, and you are a Muslim, and you, the only way you can survive is to deny your faith, it is okay. As long as your heart it's secure in face. You know who's teaching Islam in America? The Muslim Brotherhood. And how they pretend Islam to be? The loving, peaceful religion. That's how they teach about Islam. The same people who are killing my brothers in Egypt, destroying our Christian businesses, and raping our women, kidnapping our women. Until last week, they kidnapped another lady. They do it every week. Not, that's a norm. Kill our men, destroy our business, and persecute us, kidnap our women, rape our women. The same people in America, they were suits and tie, the Muslim Brotherhood, Surti Jihadi organization, and they're teaching all over our churches about the love of Allah and the peace of Islam and the joy of Muhammad. That's exactly the group I'm talking about. Why is he doing that? Because they're practicing lies. They're practicing lies. Why is he making a brand new Islam to convince the American people of Islam to be what it's not? That is to Muslimize America. But it's okay in Islam, even to, to the most near thing to your heart, your faith. You can deny your faith as long as your heart is secure in faith. How about it is lawful in Islam to swear in lying? Literally, a Muslim man will raise his right hand and face the flag of the United States of America, and he will give allegiance to us. Literally, they do it, but they are taught in Islam that it's okay to lie about that. Allah will not hold you responsible for your mere utterance in an oath. 
but he will hold you responsible for that which your hearts gained. And Allah is forgiving, forbearing. The question is this, do Muslim mean it when they give us the allegiance? Do Muslim mean it when they swear? No, they don't mean it. Therefore, it's okay to lie in your oath. <laughs> We're talking, it's okay to lie about your face, deny your face. It's okay to, to lie in your oath. How about the third very important fact which Muhammad taught the Muslim from the day one, 1400 years ago, about lying. Muslim will tell you, lies is forbidden, it's haram. But there one condition where Muslim can lie. As a matter of fact, three ways a Muslim can lie and it's okay. Muhammad said, it is lawful to lie in three cases. A man to his wife that she will be pleased with him, or at a time of war because war is deception, <clears throat> or to make peace between people. Imagine with me, that's exactly what Muslim believe. It's okay to lie to your wives, to your enemies, and to your friends. But besides that, you cannot lie. <laughs> that obviously covers them all. Covers them all. Well, I want to share with you three lies this morning. If we can get to them, if the Lord's willing. And Brother Charlie, you can stop me if you want to take a break or whatever you want to do as we'll go. The first three lies is concerning Israel. Lies about Israel and Jerusalem. By the way, as you see in our seminar here, we're not making this up. I give you the name of the book, the name of the publisher, the year of the publishing, and the page number. You can't get any better than that. So if you go to that book, and you go to that page, and you don't find these lies, then please give me a call. You see, you're lying about the lies of the Muslims in our textbooks. It's all proven. It's all proven. Here we go. In that, the world history, and here's the publisher, and here's the year 2007, and here's a page. 1017. I love it how moms meet with me. Oh, brother, you some, I know about what you're talking about, about last textbooks. And I watch all the books my children are learning because I want to make sure they're learning the truth. I said, Are you serious? If you're going to read a book, have over a thousand pages, why don't you just keep your children at home? Teach them your own home. They're, they're literally think because she opened the book and looked at a few pages and a few statements, she's saying, Oh, she's examining her children's books. No, you're not. Because some of these books, it's hard to carry. It's heavy books. Thousands of pages. And I doubt any parents will read all these books to make sure that their children learn. As a matter of fact, if I will read these lies to you as an intelligent American, you will not see anything wrong with it. Why? Because you do not know what's behind these lies. I'm going to share with you some examples. Here we go. It states, The land now called Palestine consists of Israel, the West Bank, and the Gaza Strip. What's wrong with that? It's a fact. 99% of the American people who will read that statement in a book, they could not find anything wrong in it. But what we call the land Palestine. Is this really the name of the land Palestine? Do American people know the difference between Palestine of the Old Testament and the Palestine of today? Are we talking about the same land? Yeah, we're talking about the same people group? No. We're going to learn a little bit more about that as we go. Here we go. Another textbook on page 384. It says, In the 60s BC, <coughs> the Roman Empire conquered the region, <coughs> which they called Palestine. Really? So 60 years before Christ, the Romans conquered Palestine. Was it named Palestine at the time? And it's the same Palestine we have today. But trust me, 
Parents would read that statement in the book, say it's true. After all, you see, there's so much facts there. Romans exist, 60s, right ages, and they conquer the land. Yes, true, all this is true. And what's the name of the land? Palestine. That is a 0.6 poison which we add to the truth about or the good food, the corn and, or the, or the uh, wheat, and that's how we kill a rat. Now our children are being educated. And by the way, I'm not quoting every statement for every book. I'm just giving you examples. Otherwise, we'll be sitting here today and tomorrow covering the first lie. Okay, these are just samples. I'm giving you how they repeat the statement. Sometimes they give it in a form of a question, as we're going to see today. Or sometimes just a statement. Or sometimes say it's true or false. Whatever is the way they said, it repeats the same lie. And for sure, your children, your grandchildren, by the time they finish high school, they hate the occupiers, the Jewish people. For sure. Let's continue. Many Jews had immigrated to the Palestine Mandate, believing it to be their promised land. <laughs> it's just in their head. They immigrated there. That beige 900, okay, here we go, a thousand beige book. They immigrated that land, assuming it's, it is, it's our land. Imagine with me. After you leave the church here, you go to your home, and you open your door in front of your house, and you go inside the house, and people say, he or she is assuming she's going to her house. That's exactly the message we're trying to teach our children in our public schools. That this land, Israel, does not belong to Israel, even though they think in their heads it is their land. The Zionists wanted the land of ancient Israel to be a home for the Jewish people. They wanted that. Just think about every time you go to your house, your neighbors think you wanted to make that building belong to you. A quick response. The state of Israel is not called Palestine. The name Israel predates the Roman name of Palestina by over 1,200 years. That's a long time, 1,200 years, okay? The UN granted Israel sovereign nation status in 1947. But that's not the beginning of Israel. As a, as a matter of fact, the beginning of Israel, that promised land, was a good 1,800 years before Christ. When Abraham had no son. Can you imagine? God gave that land to Abraham's descendants before he had any children. And he was an old man. That's another joke about the Bible. How in the world an old man with his old wife are going to inherit that land when they're dying without having a child? That is exactly the early, the, 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 the age which we know of as Abraham heard by his ear because it was in God's plan before he created the earth that that land, that piece of land will belong to to his chosen people, Israel. Now I'm going to share with you the history about the promised land. N not from the Bible, uh, not from some history books, but from the Quran. You see, the Muslim in America, or the Muslim of Palestine, have not read the Quran yet. They have no clue what Allah said in the Quran. Have the American people know what Allah said in the Quran as how if Muslims have learned the truth about the true history of Israel, they should leave Israel alone. Because they're going against the will of Allah in the Quran. I remember one time I spoke in Oregon. That was eight, nine years ago. And a lady in the church said, I would love for you to meet with my, my ex-son-in-law, who was uh, married to her daughter, of course. From, he's from Gaza. She said, he hates the Jewish people. I was talking something about Israel or something. I said, I would love to meet him too. So the following day, she sat up meeting with me and him to have a coffee in some coffee shop. And as I sat with him, I said, uh, I understand from uh, your mother-in-law, you hate the Jewish people. He said, yeah. 
I said, why is that? He said, they occupied our land. I said, they did what? He said, occupied our land. I said, I thought you're a Muslim. He said, yes, I'm a Muslim. I said, yeah, a Muslim without believing in the Quran is not a Muslim. Like a Christian does not believe in the Bible. It's not a Christian. He said, I believe in the Quran. I said, you don't even know what Allah said in the Quran about Israel. No, I know everything. I said, no, you don't. I opened my Quran in the Arabic language and we start reading these verses as we're about to read it. And in the end of it, literally, he shook his head. He said, I never read that before. I said, I know. Not just you. Not any Muslim would like even to read that. You know how you, sometimes when you speak to somebody about something and you know he does not know the truth of it. I'll give you a good example. If you speak to a Jewish people about the prophecies in the Old Testament concerning Christ and you take him to say Psalm 22 or Isaiah 53 and they don't want to read it. They don't like to read it. You know why? Because the moment you read what Isaiah wrote 700 years before Christ or what David wrote a good 1,000 years before Christ concerning the cross, concerning the suffering of our Lord, then they're going to leave the Jewish beliefs or they're going to continue to go deeper in the relationship with God to become a Christian. But the only reason why the Jewish people will not read this specific passage all over the Old Testament because it will destroy their kingdom, their goal of making keeping Israel or keeping the Jew Jew don't want to make him a Christian. Same thing with Muslim. Muslims, there is passages in the Quran will not read. For example, in Quran chapter 5, beginning from verse 20, as we read, And when Moses said to his people, O my people, remember the grace of Allah on you when he made prophets among you, and he made you kings, and he gave you what he did not give anyone of the world. O my people, enter <clears throat> the holy land which Allah has prescribed for you, and do not turn away on your backs, so you will be turned back losers. I can talk about this passage for literally the next hour, but I don't have time for that. So what we're going to do, we're going to talk about some errors in this passage as we continue to hear the message of Allah in the Quran concerning Israel. Here Moses is telling the children of Israel that Allah made kings out of them. How many kings in the Jewish people at this time came to exist? How many kings was before Moses? None. So what is that? Muhammad does not have a clue. Or maybe Allah or Jibreel does not have a clue about the true history of Israel. There was not one king until Moses' days or even until Samuel's days, years and years later. As a matter of fact, the first king was Saul. Saul. And then second king was David. So that's 500 years after Moses. There was not one king ever exist in Moses' day. So here is an error. Allah made a boo-boo in the Quran. <laughs> now, what is the second error I'm talking about? The Holy Land. What was the land in Moses' days named? Promised Land. When did they come up with the name Holy Land? After Christ. So the new name for the Promised Land is the Holy Land. But in Moses' days, and all the way 1,500 years later after Moses, not one Jew, not one historian, not one person ever exists on planet Earth came to understand that that piece of land is called the Holy Land, but everybody knew it to be the promised land. Why did Muhammad put Moses say Holy Land? Because that is the name which is known to that land in Muhammad's days. The boo-boo, another boo-boo. And by the way, when you read the Quran, and it's amazing. One time I was sitting with some of my friends who does my ministry, and I told them, I challenge you, every vision of the Quran have an error. There's not one page that's not having an error. I said, no way. I said, yes way. So I said, yes way. Open by luck. It'll go like this. And I go right or left. Right. Okay. And I found two, three errors. 
go right or left let's go left and i found another one or two errors. there's not one page in the quran does not have an error like we see in that one verse here holy land hmm kings no continue verse 22 they said oh moses surely in it are powerful people and surely we will not enter it until they come out of it so if they come out of it so surely we will enter two men among the fearers allah graced on them said enter on them the door so when you enter it so surely you will be victorious and on allah so depend if you were believers you know, if somebody is drinking so much or smoking so much heavy stuff and start writing, rewriting the biblical account of Moses and the children of Israel, he will do much greater job, much better job than that junk. <laughs> that, that, this is not an error. This is a nonsense. Somebody have no clue what he's talking about. So, all the people told Moses that they have powerful people or only 10 of the spies which... God asked Moses to send to check on the promised land. He made here all the people. Okay? Did he really say until the people come out of it, we'll not get, is this, you know, have you ever heard little children talking? I'm talking about two, three, maybe four the most, because after four, they become mature enough, they will not talk like a baby. That's a baby talk. I'm not getting out of here until you get out of it. If you get out of it, then I come and take it. Really? Is this a conversation we're reading in the scripture? Is this the true account in the Bible? Or is this is made up propaganda by Muhammad? Two men. Oh, I love how Muslims tell me, they don't need the Bible for any reason. Ibn Kassir, the great Muslim scholar, said, we will use the Bible to shed a little bit light on some of the facts we have in our Quran. But we do not actually need the Bible for anything. Excuse me, Ibn Kassir. When I read your interpretation to all the stories which Muhammad copied in the, in the Quran, it's nothing but the rest of the information which Muhammad forgot to take in the first place. There's no details in the Quran. You will not know who's talking to who. And you, I love how Muhammad says, the one on the right hand. Which one? Was, does he have a name? The one in the middle. On the right side of the mountain. What right side? Two men. Who are these two men? Oh, Allah knows. And I love it how Muslims can give you 10 different opinions. It could be this guy or this guy or this guy and this guy. And then the end, and Allah knows best. So you do not know who are the two men. But in any way, two men told them, enter on them, uh, enter on them the door. What door? <laughs> is the promised land is like a, a, a big house and have a front door? There is no door. The man who's speaking here have no clue anything about what we're talking about the biblical stories has been destroyed in the quran but let's continue they said oh moses surely we will never enter it as long as they are in it so go you and your lord so engage in war surely we are sitting down right here he said my lord surely i do not own anything except <coughs> myself and my brother so separate between us and the transgressing people he said so surely it is forbidden to them 40 years they will be lost on the earth so do not grieve on the transgressing people continuing with the baby talk we're not going to go until they get out but the most important point of these ridiculous verses of the word of allah in the quran is that the promised land was given to the children of israel in moses days 40 years after they refused to go and take it who gave that land to the children of israel allah when 
in Moses' days. Where we read that? In the Quran. By the way, Israel is the only property in planet Earth which has two deeds. The biblical deeds and the Quranic deeds. You cannot deny it. The original people of the land. Was there were people living there in Abraham's days? Yep. And the Palestinians were there? Nope. How do you know that, Brother Yusam? I just read the Bible. As a matter of fact, I know the history. When the original Palestinian went to the Promised Land. The original Palestinian, the people of the north, the Crete people, the sea people, not the Arabs, not the Mohammedans, the people of Europe, as we're going to see from the biblical account and from the history of Egypt. But let's talk a little bit about the original people of the land. We'll go to the book of Genesis, chapter 15, verses 18, to read the conversation which God Almighty put in the Bible. On the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your descendants I have given this land, from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates, the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Cadbanites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Rephaim, <coughs> the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites, and the Jebusites. And the Philistines. No! They're not there! Here is the name of all the people groups who used to live in the promised land. And at this time, it was not Abraham, it was Abram, the old guy. No children. God gave that land to Abram, and he named to us all the original people who used to live on that land. None of them were Palestinian. When this was? 1800 years before Christ. Okay, let's continue. And he said unto Abram, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in the land that is not theirs, and they shall serve them, and they shall afflict them four hundred years. And also that nation whom you shall serve will I judge, and afterwards shall they come out with great substance, and thou shalt go to thy fathers in peace, thou shalt be buried in a good old age. But in the fourth generation they shall come hither again, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. Why God did not let Abraham just live there and have children there and take the promised land there on the spot? First of all, he didn't have any. They have to wait 430 years to be exactly. 400 years of slavery and 30 years of, you know, living the, like the, the prince family, Joseph's family. As a matter of fact, Joseph took all the land of all the people of Egypt and gave to Pharaoh except his family. They have their own land in Gashan. Jason? How do you say it in English? Goshen. The land of Jason in Arabic. They left 30 years with Joseph. No problem. The, the prince family. And then Joseph died. A new Pharaoh came to power who knew not Joseph or the God of Joseph, and slavery started 400 years, and then they went to the promised land. But why all that? Why all that for? Because he said, for the iniquity of these people, the six nations which we mentioned their name, and by the way, once again, the Philistines was not there. Their sin was not yet in full. So God was patient for 400 years until 
the slavery was completely and the cry of his people in Egypt, lift up to God, help us, Lord. You brought us here. You promised Abraham. You promised Isaac. You promised Jacob. You promised to, 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 to give us a promised land. We need our land. Get us out. When they cry out to God, 400 years later, that's when the sin of the, and the iniquity of the people, the original people of the land was in full. The judgment of, of God came to exist. It is not because of the strength of Moses and the children of Israel they took the promised land. It's because of the sin and the wickedness of the original people of the land that God removes them from the face of the earth and replaces them with his chosen people. Have they lived right before God? They would not have any of the problems which we read about throughout the scripture in the Old Testament. Even when Moses took the promised land, they were grumbling and filling in sin while Moses is trying to give them the fulfillment of the prophecies, the prophecies and the promises given by God to them. So that is the only reason why they have to wait until Moses' days, as we read in the book of Numbers, the story which Muhammad copied in the Quran without having a clue what he's talking about. He's just a drunk guy under the influence of some heroin or cocaine making up his own verses of the Quran. He is a true account. Have Muslims read it in the Bible, they, they will surely understand the Quran. In the book of Numbers, chapter 13, verses 1 and 2, we read, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the children of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers you shall send a man, every one a leader among them. As a matter of fact, when you continue to read, we know the name of the twelve tribes and the name of the twelve men as they left to go and investigate the promised land. It was, there was no door, by the way. It's a big land, as you read throughout the scripture, we'll see here in a minute. In the Quran, two of them, two of who? Two of the two and a half million who left Egypt to go to the promised land, which two? He meant two of the spies, the 12 spies, but Allah does not know who they are. He does not how many. I mean, I guarantee you, when Muhammad writes numbers, as he does always in the Quran, he gives the wrong numbers. If you say two of the 50, like we know from Muslim scholars, Jesus had 19 disciples. There's only 12. I can give you their names. Where they come from, their parents, you know, we, can, we know the history of them. But in Muslim scholars' mind, Jesus had 19 disciples. In Muslim numbers, you never know. So the best thing for Muhammad to not get in trouble, he does not have to two of the 12 spies, just two of them. Yep, must be two. It's the right information. So here we go in Numbers chapter 13. Uh, verses 17 and then skip to 19 to 21. Then Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said to them, Go up this way into the south and go up to the mountains and see what the land is like, whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, few or many, whether the land they dwell in is good or bad, whether the cities they inhabit are like camps or strongholds. So they went up and spied out the land from the wilderness of Zin as far as <coughs> near the entrance of Hamath. When you study the geography of the Bible, it will blow your mind. When you study the geography of the Quran, there is no geography. There's no history. There's no dates. There's no maps. There's no cities. I can show you these cities on the map. One of the best classes I studied in seminary when I was in New Orleans is uh, with Dr. Ortiz. The geography of the Bible. The old cities and the new names for the same cities today. They all exist. As a matter of fact, some of the scoffers mock the Bible to say the Bible is not true because it says here that David traveled here and he have a battle in that city and that city does not exist. 
Therefore, it was made up like in the Quran. Well, guess what? They dig deeper. They went another 10 feet deep and guess, they found the whole city. There was, there was city. The Bible is right. Just hold your horses or your camels and wait until we search more. Okay? Because if you rush to judge the Bible, it's full of errors. But when you wait until the, the, the truth to be discovered, you find the Bible is perfectly accurate. So here is the map. Here is the traveling. You go from here. You go to there. And there is no door. Once again, there is no door. The idea of having a door to go enter from, as the two men said, is nonsense. And they returned from spying out the land after 40 days. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. So only two, Caleb and Joshua, believe that they, take, they can take the promised land. But the other ten, not all the children of Israel, did not believe they can because people are strong. That's exactly where Muhammad come up with his idea in the Quran, but obviously without any details. Uh, Book of Numbers, we learn also. Except for Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, the son of Nun, you shall by no means enter the land which I swore I would make you dwell in. This is the punishment of the judgment of God on the children of Israel because they disbelieved him. They uh, refused to go and take the promised land. And how long did they wait? 40 days. Remember, 40 days of traveling throughout the land. And they saw everything in it. Land full of honey and milk. And they rejected God. So he punished them by? According to the number of days in which you spied out the land, 40 days. For each day you shall bear your guilt one year namely 40 years, and you shall know my rejection. And here is the truth. All those who are 20 and older died in the wilderness as the children of Israel went in circles until every one of them died, even Aaron and Moses and only Joshua and Caleb, the older two gentlemen who went to the promised land. But the same account in the Quran of course, the story in the Quran exists in the Bible. And that's where Muhammad come up with his information. This land is not occupied by the children of Israel. That land is given to them before they even exist. Years and years ago, 1800 plus years in Abraham days. Now I want to share a little bit history. And there are plenty of articles online. I love this one because... Uh, not because I like An Andrea or because she's uh, uh, my favorite uh, writer, but because she shared the truth of the history of that land, not just according to my Egyptian history, which we're going to be talking about a minute here, but also according to the Bible. And I don't even care if the history, I mean, you cannot say I don't care. The history, if it's true history, it is supported by the Bible. Because now we are rewriting history in America. And believe me, we're making up stuff. <laughs> I love one of the most funniest one I've been. I talked about a good few years ago uh, from uh, uh, the great Muslim scholar from South Africa. His name is Hakim. He actually is telling us that America was discovered by the Muslims years before Christopher Columbus. And they draw maps of all the mountains and all the rivers and all the valleys and the border of it. And he gave you the name of that man who came to America with 300 ships. He was a rich guy. So we can always rewrite history, but true history, the accurate history, it can be easily supported by the Bible. And that's what is Andrea did. And she's talking about the original people of uh, the Palestinian who came to the promised land. 
as it's the, the, the history time here between 1600 to 1100 BC. So here's what Andreas said, which I 100% agree with. The land of origin of the Philistines, later identified as Philistines, is obscure. There are many <clears throat> theories. One of the theories links the Pilicet to the Homer Plagians, who were allies of Troy, and one group lived in Thrace, northeast of Greece. Those Philistines would have migrated south. North, east, Greece. Europe, up. North, south, east, Israel, Saudi Arabia, or some Muslim country, some Arab land. So, Many would have gone further south to Crete. Furthermore, since many biblical references refer to the Philistines' origins as the island of Kaftor, and since many scholars identify Kaftor with Crete, <coughs> the idea more widely accepted is that the Pilicet were originally Cretan. I'm going to show you the map. The island of Crete is the biggest island we have in the Mediterranean Sea. Uh, here's the, uh, the proof which uh, Andrea mentioned, Jeremiah. Amos and Ezekiel, a couple best from, from Ezekiel. And I, I, I do not know how much you know about the Old Testament and the history of the Old Testament. But boy, oh boy, when you dig in, I did not know the Bible talk about that. I did not know the Bible talk about these people. And that was written in Jeremiah's day. That was written in Amos' day. Ezekiel, and by the way, these are prophets who are telling us about the future. They're giving prophecies of what is to come. And they're mentioning people by their names. One of the good uh, uh, theologians, I call him liberal theologian, trying to destroy the Bible, tells us that, wait, see, the book of Isaiah was not written by one Isaiah. Actually, they say, believe there, there are two Isaiahs. Or some they say three Isaiahs. I said, no, it's one Isaiah. The guy, Isaiah. Well, the reason that because between chapter 1 and, verse, and chapter 39, uh, this is the first one, uh, it's talk about what's happening in, uh, in Isaiah's days. But when you go from 40 to the, whatever, the other two breaks, sometimes they go to just one break to 66, that was written about the future. And Isaiah could not write about the future. Isaiah could not name some names of people who come in the future. What kind of prophet is that? A joke? If he's a prophet... That means he can write prophecy. He can name the future for me as if it was yesterday. So, here we go. These prophets are telling us about the future. Jeremiah 47. Listen. The word of the Lord that came to Jeremiah the prophet against the Philistines before Pharaoh attacked Gaza. Thus says the Lord, Behold, waters rise out of the north and shall be an <coughs> overflowing flood. They shall overflow the land and all that is in it the city and those who dwell within. Then the men shall cry, and all the inhabitants of the land shall wail. <laughs> Here's the prophet Jeremiah. It starts about the future or what's going to happen before it happened. We talk about Pharaoh. We talk about the Egyptian literally going in war with the Palestinians. This is not just a biblical account. We have the map, pap papyrus map. History of Egypt proves this to be true, as we're going to see in a minute. And here's what happened. They're coming from the north. Who? The Palestinians. They're not coming from Saudi Arabia or from Jordan or some other Muslim country. No, they're coming from the north. And here's what's going to happen. Hmm. At the noise of the stamping of hooves of his strong horses, at the rushing of his chariots, at the rumbling of his wheels, the fathers will not look back for their children, lacking courage, because of the day that comes to plunder all the Philistines, to cut them off from Tyre and Sidon, every helper who remains. 
For the Lord shall plunder the Philistines, the remnant of the country of Kaftor. This is the prophecy of what is going to come to the Palestinian people. And notice the city is named. It did not say Mecca or Medina or Yemen or uh, Dubai. No. That's exactly why I believe Andrea is telling us the true history of who these people are, the Palestinian who came a good 200 years before King David came to power. Not our, as our textbooks do. They have a special date. They change the date to make them belong to this land before Moses went there. No, when Moses went to this land, they were not there. They came 300 years later. The early dates is the accurate date. The late date is a propaganda date. Kaftor, the name which we're going to be talking about also in Amos, and we're going to show it to you in the map in a minute here. Are you not like the people of Ethiopia to me, O children of Israel, says the Lord? Did I not bring up Israel from the land of Egypt, the Philistines from Kaftor, and the Syrians from Kair? Three people group came from three different cities. And guess what? This is Prophet Amos is telling us where is the Egyptian, the Jewish people came from. They came from Egypt. Go, go to Exodus. Read what Moses did. The cross of the Red Sea. That's exactly the true history of what took place. How the Jewish people ended in the promised land out of Egypt. And where is the Palestinians came from? From Saudi Arabia. No, from Kaftor. Where is Kaftor? Big island Crete in the Mediterranean Sea. And obviously the Syrians came from Kerr. <clears throat> Ezekiel, another prophet, in chapter 25, verse 16, wrote to us, Therefore, thus says the Lord God, I will stretch out my hand against the Philistines, and I will cut off the Cherethites and destroy the remnant of the seacoast. The remnant of the seacoast. How many of the Arabs come from the seacoast? How much water do we have in Saudi Arabia? You see, all these names, when you add them, they call them the sea people. They live in the sea. As a matter of fact, the Palestinians are so powerful, they are the best navy ever exists. They, they can fight in the water much better than they fight on land. They have the ships. They made the ships, and they can use the ships to the world. As a matter of fact, that's the only reason why they came to Egypt. They're getting us, I'm used to using my imagination, they get rid of cold winters in Europe. And the fighting in the Mediterranean Sea, and they took the, the island of Kaftor and every other piece of land they can get. And they traveling the ships, and they found this beautiful land of Egypt and the sweet, uh, fresh water of the Nile. And said, huh, we can take this land. It's warm. It's beautiful. Surprise, surprise. Ramses III was a strong military guy, and he beats the daylight out of them, as you're going to see in a minute here. And he actually is the one who resettles them in these five cities in the promised land. 200 years before King David. A good 1,200 years before Christ. Uh, another passage here from Ezekiel chapter 26, 17. We read, And they will take up a lamentation for you and say to you, How you have perished, O inhabited by seafaring men, O renowned city, who is strong at sea, she and her inhabitants, who caused their terror to be on all her inhabitants. What Ezekiel is talking about here, the Palestinian. The mighty people who literally, uh, they, the best navy ever was ever exist. They can fight on water as they can fight perfectly, perfectly well on land. One of the most significant groups among the sea peoples who attacked Egypt in the fifth and eighth year of Ramses III is the Philoset. This ethnonym 
has been identified with the biblical <coughs> Philistine by Jean-Francois Japolian soon after his decipherment of the Egyptian hieroglyphics. Now the Philistines settling in the towns Ashdod, Ashkelon, Gaza, Ekron, and Gath at the time of the upheavals of the Sea Peoples. Once again, the Sea People were settled in these five cities. If I open the map, I can show it to you as my map, but it's a little bit, uh, you cannot read all these words in it, the names on it. But that's where they came to exist after Ramses III beat the daylight out of them. He actually, as a, in a symbol, I can say, made shish kebab out of them. <laughs> he destroys them in the water and in the land and said, come on here. And then I believe he felt sorry for them. So he said, you know what? I'll let you sit in land next to me here. And they were there under his provision. He, 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 I mean, you, you will do anything, I, I, will, I will really remove you from the face of the earth completely. And they were I, what I call the sleeping giants. They were destroyed by the power of Ramses III. And they lived in the promised land for a good 200 years. Slowly, slowly, they gained the power. And in King David days, that's when they become a thorn in the flesh of the children of Israel. And I believe God did this on purpose because God wants to use a Palestinian to discipline his people as he has done it many ways. I mean, he got the Babylonian to take them, for heaven's sake, far away to Iraq, <coughs> which is the original land of Abraham, where he come from to start with. Here's a map. Here's the five cities. They're going to be down here. Here's Gaza, Jabba. Some of these, obviously, this is a new map with new names. But... Where is Crete? Here is the island of Crete. So where is the sea people or the, uh, uh, the, uh, the northern people come from? They come from north. Some of them obviously came on land. And they came all the way to Egypt to have the war. And that's where they settled here in the land, the promised land as Pharaoh did. That is a symbol map to show you none of the sea people came from south. To north, there were northern people coming to Crete to the end here in uh, the promised land. <clears throat> Ramses III fights against the Philistines both in the sea and in the land battles. In Papyrus <coughs> Ramses III claims to have settled the vanquished sea peoples, among which are Pilaset or Philistines in strongholds bound in his name. This has induced some scholars to assume that the settlement of the Philistines in Canaan took place under Egyptian supervision. This is, I believe, the most accurate uh, history for the map. We have the, the writing history from the, a good, uh, uh, you know, 250 to 260, something like that, years before uh, 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 King David days. And obviously, Ramses III, who was living, who was a king in Egypt at the time, and and it fit with with the biblical teaching, as I believe the prophets were writing already, as we read in Jeremiah about before Pharaoh attacks him. So we have the believe me, even if I don't have this writings from the Egyptian history, I believe the Bible for whatever the Bible says. <laughs> if if you and I disagree about saying, I'll go back to the Bible. Look, does the Bible say that? Yeah, that's it. I don't. No, I'm not interested in a second source. To prove the Bible is right. The Bible is right even when the Bible does not make any sense. <laughs> I believe the Bible. I believe the cover of my Bible. All right. It said Holy Bible on it. 
Uh, here's what happened a little bit later as we go in Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 17, uh, the sleeping giant, David in David days and the Palestinian. After their settlement in the Philistine, the Philistines rose to a position of power in the region owing to their military superiority over the local population, as exemplified <coughs> by the famous engagement between David and Goliath. I love it how people always say, well, Goliath was a Palestinian. Yes, the Palestinians were there. Yes, they were there. But not in Abraham's days. You have to have the line, the timeline between when Abraham exists, when Moses exists, when David exists. They came a good 240, 130, I, I even go to 50 years before David. Not. They are not the original people of the land. And you have to understand that these Palestinians has nothing to do with the Palestinians we have today. These are Arabs. The other one was Europeans. These come from the north. These came from the south. They are the same people. They have nothing to do with ships. They know camels. Here's a passage we read in the Bible. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone, and struck the Philistine and killed him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Once again, the might, as we read in Psalm 44 today, the strength, it was God's strength. The might was God's might. David did not kill the great giant, the six, six eight, how tall? Eight foot, eight foot something. Is it? It's a big guy, it's a Palestinian. He didn't, it was not by the strength of David. David was a young man. He was a smooth rock. He can have a sword. Just use the imagination. After he hit him, got on the ground, David looked around, ah, excuse me, can I borrow your sword for a minute? And he cut his head off. And that's how they received victory. And that's how David always talked about the victory of God. That was the first lie. We're going to go quick here. Second lie. Then proper use of the name Palestine instead of Israel. This is repeated all over the textbooks. It's not just one or two accidents. They are purposely picking up the wrong name for that reason. They want our children to believe that it is Palestine, not Israel. Here we go. In uh, this, uh, the world and people, uh, McGraw-Hill, and in 2005, and by the way, all these books started, it started showing up 2003, 2004, 2005, just after September 11, as Muslims were able in the last 15 years to take over our textbooks. Uh, pages uh, 473 and 509. If Abraham moved to the land of Canaan, Palestine, he would be blessed. And I'm, I'm going to show the, 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 uh, how this evolved in our textbooks. Just watch the dates and the timing, how they're writing. So here they're talking about Abraham. And Abraham went to the land of Canaan. And between soft brackets, the word, the word, they put the word what? Palestine. So it's accurate. No, it's not. Because until it's not called Palestine, it's still called Israel. But they are, the, the, the early steps, like the early evolution, the big picture of dinosaur, you know, here it is, the land of Canaan. Good, good. Palestine, between soft bracket. Let's move to the next textbook. Here we go. Watch this. Israelites formed a branch of Hebrews who settled in Palestine, modern-day Israel. So now we move the word Palestine from inside the bracket, and we put it as the text. And guess what? Now we put between the soft bracket, modern day Israel. So start with Canaan, Palestine between soft bracket. Now 
Palestine is the right word, and modern-day Israel is between the bracket. Notice the next change in the farm book. Here we go. Abraham migrated to Palestine about 1850 BCE. According to their scriptures, some Hebrews migrated from Palestine to Egypt during the 18th century BCE. So here's a question. What happened to the land of Canaan and Abraham? Now it is known to be. So when Abraham went to the promised land, he actually did not have any children and the Palestinian was already there. That's exactly what I will learn if I'm a student sitting in a classroom. Okay, and what is the dates here? 18th century BCE. Is this the right accurate date? No. Why is he squeezed 300 years down there? Just to confirm that in Moses' days, before Moses' days, the Palestinians were there. If you know math, figure it out. Not according to the Egyptian history, not according to the Bible. Don't forget, we're not talking about the same Palestinian. But I guarantee you, if I sit not with the students, with the parents of the students, or the teachers who are teaching this propaganda light to our students, they will assume 100% we're talking about Muhammad and Ali and Hussein and Mustafa who are living right now in, in Israel. You make a bet? Like when we talk about the Egyptian. I don't talk about the Egyptian lightly. I say we the Copt, the Coptic of Egypt, the original people of the land. Arab in Egypt today, they're not Egyptian. In any way, in any shape, in any way. And I challenge a Muslim in Egypt to say I'm a Copt. No, they're not. Even though they were born in Egypt. Even they've been living in Egypt for 1400 years. Because they are not us. We are the Egyptian. They are not Egyptian. And I'm glad they call themselves Arab Egyptian. No, take the word Egypt out of it completely. Because they have nothing to do with Egypt. <clears throat> this branch of the Hebrews departed under the leadership of Moses and went to Palestine. These Hebrews, known as the Israelites, fought bitterly with other inhabitants of Palestine and carved out a territory for themselves. See the lie? If you tell a lie, as we started this morning, big enough and keep repeating. In one passage, Palestine, Palestine, Palestine. Well, guess what you're going to believe? Moses went to invade a land belonged to the Palestinians. Okay. It's a purposely repeated lie. Here we go. Although later, after King David, the Israelites would be conquered and scattered, Palestine remained the promised land in the minds of many Jews. Oh, I see you got it. But I promise you, if we leave that building right now and talk to all the people who live in Sarasota County, when just mention one of them, they always found nothing wrong in it. So I'm, I'm building my case to make sure you don't leave that meeting believing in any of this hogwash they're teaching your children and grandchildren in our public schools in Sarasota County by our tax money. And that is the easiest three lies I would like to cover. In the future, we'll cover more lies. It will blow your mind. It will blow your mind. Let's continue. <laughs> Conflict in Palestine, <coughs> conflict in Southwest Asia, has a long history. When the Israelites entered Palestine around 1220 B.C., other people <coughs> were already settled there. One of these peoples was the Philistines. For over two centuries, Israelites and Philistines fought for control. By 1020 B.C., the Israelites found themselves on the verge of being conquered by the Philistines. David, the next king of the Israelites, defeated the Philistines 
and established control over all of Palestine. <laughs> you got it, America? You got it, church? That is the repeated lie which they successfully were able to plant into the heart and the mind and the soul of your children and grandchildren who live in Florida, who live in Sarasota County, who live all over America. I don't want to talk too much because we have so much to cover. Here we go. Another textbook. Here we go. Listen, we'll talk about Jesus now. Jesus was born in Bethlehem, a small town in ancient Palestine. We need to change our Christmas songs. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, sweet town of Bethlehem in Palestine. Jesus, the founder of Christianity, was born in Palestine. See, he's a graduate. Slowly build it up. You know what the next, next textbook is going to say? Jesus was a Palestinian. You make a bet? Just give them some time. Relax. They have lots of pages to write. After all, the church is in a coma. People in America have no clue what's going on. I bet you some liberal Jew would love to see this thought to, their, uh, to the new generation in America. It should make you cry. It should make you sick to see this taught our children in our public schools in America today. A quick response. The historically improper use of the word Palestine delegitimizes the modern state of Israel and gives unwarranted support for the current Palestinian claims for statehood. So you understand now what is their agenda? Why is they're doing what they're doing in our textbooks? Because they want to tell you these people need to get out of that land because it belonged to the Palestinian. Like some liberals in America, they think this country also belonged to the Indian. If that's true, I would like to see the last Muslim out of Egypt. If we're going to do that. The term Palestine did not come into common use until about 1600 years after the events described in the book of Genesis. And notice, by the way, that they have their 12, 8 uh, BC. It was 1500. That's 300 years is missing there. Is to put the Palestinian in the promised land before Moses went to the promised land. And that's exactly the agenda with the late date. Jesus was not a Palestinian. I'm glad to know that. The passage's attempt to delegitimize the Bible itself by ignoring God's <coughs> command to his people Israel and implying that the Israelites one day just decided to leave Egypt and conquer some territory. Yeah, let's go just up north here, a little bit cooler there, you know? Yeah. No, Allah and the Quran, once again, Quran chapter 5, verse 20, gave that holy land to the children of Israel, and God in the Bible gave it to Abraham when he had no son. World cultures improperly uses the name Palestine when they should have used Judea and Israel for the name of the land at the time of Jesus. Israel should be substituted for Palestine in just <coughs> since the name Palestine is used incorrectly. The name Israel predates the term Palestine by over 1100 years. Once again, that's long years. Israel, not Palestine, is the promised land widely believed to have been promised to the Jewish people. Amen to that. Mm -hmm. Third lie, lies about Palestine conflict with Israel. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about the history of the early wars, and then I'll talk about what's happening today. But uh, before that, I want to share this with you here. 
How many of you have seen movies made by Pollywood? Put your hand up. One, two, three, four, five. Well, we got nice crowd. Yeah. Believe me, I speak in churches and ask if Pollywood. I'm talking about a group of eight, nine hundred people. Maybe one hand is up. This is the biggest problem. You see, when you watch a clip of a minute or say 30 seconds, you're already convinced it's true. And when you flip from CNN to, C, uh, to MSNBC to CBS and all these liberal channels, and even Fox News last week, Fox News did the same thing. 500 were killed in Jerusalem. Have you, have you heard Fox News? I mean, in Gaza, because, uh, because the, the, the riots, and, I, mean, I don't know, how, Fox News give us a good number too. And all the children wounded, hundreds of children wounded. Is this true? It's just Hollywood. Millions of viewers watch this in-depth news report. Scenes like these of action and injury are broadcast all over the world. Flashed on the screen in dramatic sight bites, <laughs> presented in a larger story, <coughs> they're a major source of information about the enduring Arab-Israeli conflict. And yet, something is amiss, something that escapes the attention of news editors and viewers alike. Let's examine these images in their original context, the raw footage from which reporters and news editors piece together their stories. Most of the scenes you're about to see were filmed by Palestinian cameramen working independently, employed and equipped by Western news agencies at Netzarim Junction in the Gaza Strip on September 30th, 2000. Palestinian and Israeli police are doing joint patrols as stipulated in the Oslo Accords. On this day, angry crowds with stones and Molotov cocktails gathered at the junction, attacked the Israeli outpost, and were joined by Palestinian police firing their guns. Let us consider another battle scene filmed that day, or possibly the day after. <coughs> a Palestinian gunman fires into a hole in the wall. It looks like a tense moment of house-to-house -house fighting. We would assume he's firing at the Israelis. He is firing in their direction, but he can't be firing at them. Here he is, on the far side of the factory building completely out of range of the Israeli position. Are Israeli soldiers inside the factory? <coughs> they never left their fortified position. Earlier footage gives us a look inside the hole in the wall. The street fighter is conversing with his comrades inside the room he will soon be spraying with gunfire. A large crowd, mostly civilians, and a few men in military garb mills around as Palestinian soldiers climb in and out of the hole in the wall. Note the civilians giving orders to a military man. Does this look like a war zone? Orders come to clear the area. Military men line up as if they're taking cover, but from what? Not Israeli bullets. And now the street fighter runs up to the hole in the wall and fires into the empty room. The last <laughs> clearly indicates a stage scene. A sight bite became news. Consider a third scene. This funeral procession was filmed by an Israeli reconnaissance drone in the aftermath of a military operation in Jenin in April 2002. The men accidentally tipped the funeral beer 
dropping the corpse. When they regroup, the corpse climbs back on the beer. Later, a crowd has joined the procession. The pallbearers drop the man again. The crowd scatters, frightened perhaps at seeing the dead man stir with life. But the pallbearers regroup, the corpse climbs forthrightly on the beer. <laughs> in the winding sheet. Welcome to Pallywood. Pallywood is a bustling industry of alfresco cinema. Stage news filmed in real time against the backdrop of a complex conflict we all think we know. It has directors, makeup men, sets, extras, often playing dead or injured, props, especially ambulances, plenty of cameramen, and sometimes large audiences. Pallywood operates according to a few basic sequences. One person fakes or exaggerates an injury and attracts a crowd, drawn from the ready and willing onlookers eager to gather at the slightest provocation. <laughs> Someone waves or whistles, and an ambulance appears as if on cue. Frantic men grab the casualty, sometimes causing further injury, and load him into the ambulance. The hallmarks of Pallywood, casualties that look more like players acting for the referee than real injuries, ever-ready ambulances, and rough evacuations that would cripple or kill a truly wounded victim. Why so rough? Those evacuating the wounded seem to be in a panic. But why? Presumably they're under Israeli fire. They certainly act as if they are. But if that were the case, wouldn't they carry the injured away from the Israeli post? Here a group of youths runs with an apparently injured boy away from the Israelis. But when they get to the other side of the highway, an adult grabs the boy from the youths and runs him back to an ambulance waiting right in front of the Israeli post, where people stand around, apparently unafraid of Israeli guns. Consider yet another scene. This young man runs across the road away from the Israelis, carrying a Molotov cocktail. He hands it off. A red stain on his forehead looks like blood, but his movements betray no sign of injury. He runs into a crowd where he becomes a casualty of war. Note that although he should look like someone with a head injury, he sits firmly, his head held high as the crowd carries him. Note also the France 2 cameraman catching the dramatic sight bite. But now what are they doing? This group rushes him back directly in front of the Israeli post. Here people cluster around, backs to the Israeli guns without the slightest sign of concern. This is a, uh, <laughs> by the way, there's plenty of Bollywood movies you can go and watch. But this is about the injury. How about we show you a scene where uh, some are really dead? Lots of dead people. Lots of dead people. I mean, can you imagine when the French liberal cameraman or the CNN cameraman will give you a good 20 seconds of all these dead people covered with white 
covers and their name is written on their body as Al Shaheed Muhammad Al Alawani, the martyred Muhammad Alawani, or the martyred Hussein Mustafa, or whatever their names. And bunch of them. I mean, we're not talking about just one. We're talking about bunch of them. Watch this. <laughs> Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. He's moving. He's moving. Praise God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here you go. Watch. Just watch. They all did. Yep. You cannot hear the conversation. He's actually talking to the dead, and the dead is talking back. He's talking to him. The whole moving. His name is Muhammad. That guy's Muhammad. He said, Don't you dare breeze. Don't you dare move. The camera guy, the stupid of CNN is coming. Or the dumb of CBS is coming. Wait. Don't move. Don't move. Yeah. He said, Man, I need to breeze. I'm getting hot. He said, I need I, I need to itch my nose. Can I itch my nose? He said, No, don't don't you dare. Well, but I really have to itch my nose. Okay. I can't believe this takes a long time, man. He's complaining. And Sam, I can't hear you. I can't hear you. He said, I need to itch my nose, man. You got the idea? You got the idea? What you see on CNN or even Fox News today is literally a disgrace. These are not fake news. They're evil, wicked news. The Jewish people do not shoot and kill people. The Palestinian. As a matter of fact, the Palestinian have respect in two different places in the planet Earth. Not in Gaza. They have respect in Israel and have respect in America. We help them in both countries. Just a few weeks ago, I was in... Uh, Barnes Hospital in St. Louis, Missouri. Big Jewish hospital. And the lady I met with a translator. They will not allow me to translate for my own brother-in-law. They have to hire their own people for safety and policies of the hospital. She is a Muslim lady from Gaza. And she complained and she hated the Jewish so much. Those are the ones who gave her a good job at Barnes Hospital. And from her own testimony, they actually gave her son a good job in Israel. She said, not one Muslim country helped us. The Egyptian did not help us. The Saudi did not help us. The Emirati did not help us. But the occupiers, she said with anger, helped my son. And as I was biting my tongue, I was trying to minister to her, to give her some information about me. And I said, even in my mind, even the wicked pigs and apes in America are giving you a good job to him in this hospital. That's a reality. War soon broke out between Israel and its Arab neighbors. Who starts the war? Israel. With who? The Arab neighbors. Imagine, that's what your children are learning in our public schools about what's going on since 1947, 48 until today. Here we go. Main idea. Question. What land did Israel gain from the wars against its Arab neighbors? They went to war and they, gone, they took more land. And your children who have read that passage, they're going to write the answer, the right answer, so they can get the A. They're not going to say, 
Well, the Israelis did not take any land. They did not start the war. Oh, yeah, yeah. They invaded this piece of land and that here and that. And they, good boy, good Johnny, good Nancy. They give mama and papa good A in that history class. Shame on us parents. While the United Nations granted the Palestinians their own homeland, the Israelis seized much of the land, including the West Bank and Gaza Strip, during its various wars. 1967, Israel wins six-day war and seizes more Palestinian land for what it calls security purposes. You know what's amazing? I did not study this in my Egyptian history, a Muslim government building. They taught us the real history. And the real history, as I even went back home to check with my daddy, is this really what happened? That we engaged in war against the Zionists, against the evil Jewish people. 1948, 1967, and 1973, and Allah gave us a great victory. And we have one more battle coming up as the Prophet of Allah promised us that the day of judgment will not come until the Muslims kill the last Jew. Even the rock and the, and the tree will cry out, Oh, you Muslim faithful, there's a Jew hide behind me, hiding behind me. Come and behead him. That's what they taught me in our public schools in Egypt, that we started the war, we have great victory, and we won. And the day is coming when it takes the rest of the land and when will we kill the last Jew. American support of Israel also angered many in the Middle East. In 1947, the UN divided British-controlled Palestine into two territories to provide a home for Jews. One part became Israel, the other part was to become a state for Palestinian Arabs. But fighting between <coughs> Israel and the Arab states in 1948 left this territory under the control of Israel, Jordan, and Egypt. As a matter of fact, I remember very well Mr. Muhammad, one of my history's teacher in Egypt, and he said, when England divided this land to two pieces, we the Egyptian and the Jordanian and Syrian decided we will never take our share. We'll never take half because the land is ours. Therefore, we decided to perform a holy war, a holy jihad to get rid of all the Jewish people. And that's when he mentioned the three dates, 1948 and 67 and 73. That's exactly what they teach us in the Middle East. But that's not what we teach our children in our public schools in America. The Jewish people are the one who started the war. A force of combined Arab states waged aggressive war against Israel in 1948, 1967, and again in 1973. The 1973 war began as a sneak attack against Israel on Yom Kippur, the holiest day in the Jewish calendar. Israel fought back in self-defense against Arab aggression and won each of the wars. Israel took land after the 1967 war to prevent future attacks from being staged so easily. In addition, Israel took back Jerusalem, her historic capital since 1000 BC that had been partially occupied by Arabs. And once again, I'm very thankful for Mr. Trump yeah. to remove our embassy back to the capital or in the capital of Israel, Jerusalem. And these wicked who promised before to do that and they did not do is just because they are trying to appease the Palestinians. You have to understand, Quran chapter 47 verse 35 is a very powerful verse. Allah taught the Muslim, do not be weak 
do not call for peace when he has upper hand. As long as we gave the Muslims upper hand, there will never be peace in Israel. When you put them down where they belong, when you confess the truth and, and fulfill your, your promises to your people, to America, I'm talking about our presence here, to, not, not just on word, but in action, acknowledge that Jerusalem is the capital of Israel. That's when the Palestinians belong to the weak. That's when you're going to have peace. Even they're trying to do everything they're doing right now to make peace. And by the way, they will cry for peace and there will never be peace until the Prince of Peace come himself. <clears throat> it is not credible to blame American development of oil or American ideas for the rise of Islamist terrorism. There have been frequent and violent terror attacks against the Muslims in many Muslim countries as well. And by the way, this started when Muhammad invaded the first city, a Jewish city, by the name Yathrib. Literally, at the birth of Islam, when he invaded that city, which opened its door to him and his people as refugees, and took it by the edge of the sword, killing hundreds of the Jewish people, and many escaped, and it became the first holy city for the Muslims, which is known today by Medina. That is the beginning of the hatred in action between the Muslim Muhammad and his early Muslim believers and the children of Israel. It has nothing to do with America. There was no America 1400 years ago. There was no oil 1400 years ago. The hatred, it's in the Quran in chapter one, as I shared with you, verses five and six. The Arab League declared a jihad or holy war against Israel in 1948. Transjordan's leader stated that the Arabs would wage a war of extermination against Israel. Well, we'll stop here. I don't want to take any more time. Brother Charlie, did I talk too much? Not at all. I did sweet and soft. And Can I have a couple questions? Sure. Okay, how about a couple questions? Quickly. Quick questions. Is there a P in the Arabic? No. There's a little B. Only one letter. B. Why? I, Palestine. It's called Palestine in the Arabic in the Arabic Bible. Yes. You think uh, that Israel will finally eventually control all of the West Bank? Well, the sad thing is this: because of the liberals in Israel, Israel will lose too much of Israel. All it would take is you get a liberal prime minister and he will give more land to the Palestinians to have peace. And that is the wickedness of the liberals. Whenever you find liberals, I mean, who helped Obama to win two elections in America? The liberal Jew. In the state of Florida, the liberal Jew. And I could not figure out this for a long time until I met with a couple of Jewish family on my cruise trip when I went to Alaska three years ago. They are liberal Jews, which means like liberal American, which means they don't believe in God. A liberal American, a Democrat, and I said with all respect to some of you who are here today are Democrat, are not Christians. A liberal Jew are not Jewish. They don't believe in Yahweh. They're actually atheist. Liberal American who call themselves uh, Baptist or uh, Catholic or Presbyterian, they have nothing to do with Christianity. You cannot be a Democrat and be a Christian. Sound weird? Sound crazy? People call me a hate minister. Why? What's the part stand? They used to be. But that party left you a long time ago. So if you still think you belong to the party, you're just confused man or woman. All what the Democrats stand for goes against the Holy Bible. Everything. Social issues, moral issues, 
laws-ish constitution, nothing fit. So, in simple words, if you are a Democrat, it's time to change your party, not to become a Republican, become a Christian and become a conservative. Because believe me, there are more wicked in the Republicans than those are in the Democrat party. I got my two questions and my time is up. Thank you so much for allowing me to spend this few minutes. Okay. <laughs> and we'll talk some more later.